Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Lost to Step podcast. Today is Sunday, March 27th. Uh, I'm Mike Marcone here with Tom Pinto, Max Khan, and Mark DeStefano. What's up, fellas? What's going on, guys? Hey, hey. <clears throat> so we're going against our, uh, our normal schedule here, and we're recording this on a Sunday morning, which we normally do not do. Um, so some things could be changing um, before you guys all listen to this episode. So just a heads up, we will talk about you know the NFL, NCAA, March Madness, um, but there are some games going on this afternoon, so things will change. But Mark's to uh, get us the, started here, Mark's got the Oscars tonight. That's right. Oh yeah, we that should is mention why we that. Change this. I forgot. Yeah, what a, we can't miss yeah, it. I didn't, I didn't see that in the rundown. Are we not talking? About <laughs> no. Are we gonna get in? Are we gonna get like a like an upset in the Oscars? Like who's the St. Peter's of the Oscars this year? And by St. Peter's, Mark, he means. Uh, someone that you wouldn't expect to win, but could win or will win. Yeah, Who's the peacock it. of this of yeah, the Oscars yeah. this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hmm. Penelope Cruz for actress. That would be that would be something. I agree. I, don't I agree. Think yep. happen, but I had that on my on my note sheet actually. I was going to bring up Penelope Cruz today. Oh yeah, of course. She was great in. Uh, uh, bye bye, baby. <laughs> Mark, what movies she being nominated for? Parallel Mothers. Yeah, yep, that's one of my that's favorites the one. of the year. Yep. <laughs> Phenomenal. All right. Well, here's our little Oscar bet out of the way. Um, that's going to be cut out. the NFL. <laughs> no, no, no. We're keeping it. If you cut it, I'll be pissed. Um, <laughs> Tyreek Hill, boys. Huge trade. Obviously, um, Kansas City gets rid of, you know, besides Mahomes, obviously their biggest offensive threat. So he, he heads to Miami for five draft picks, a 2022 first round second round, fourth round, and then a fourth and a sixth in the 23 draft. So um, what do we think? I think that it it has come to the point where um, being a Jets fan and that the Jets almost landed him. Um, I don't think that he, you know, I, I don't, I can't say this with any certainty, but I think that he just wanted to just rather be in, Miami, just like the city of Miami, than to be in East Rutherford, New Jersey, or wherever one lives if you play at, at MetLife Stadium. I don't think he wanted anything to do with New York. I don't think it matters to him that Tua is a quarterback that some people don't believe is the quarterback of the future. I really don't think that mattered to him. I mean, he's he left the best quarterback in football, and now he's going to a guy who, a team that is good and they've got some other things in place and they can contend for a playoff spot. Absolutely. But they're not the best team in their own division. They maybe not, might not be the second best team in their own division. You really can't count a a Bill Belichick team out. Um, Probably a good bet to win at least nine, maybe 10. I think he just wanted to have a lifestyle in Miami. I really don't think his mindset was so much on football and I'm not guaranteeing the Dolphins. I mean, we were, we talked about last week how good the AFC is. And yes, the Dolphins now are better now that they have him. Absolutely. And he probably can help Tua become a better quarterback really fast. But there's no guarantee that Tua is going to be the guy past this year. So I don't think in his head it was really, this gives me another great chance to, you know, I I would go on and say that, and I don't think this is, in an incredibly hot take, but he's not going to put up numbers anywhere close that he put up in Kansas city. 
Not even close. Not a hot take. I, I don't believe that will happen. I don't. Yeah, real quick, Max, before you go. I, Pinto, I, I'm just going to say, if, if you're getting $120 million offered to you from the New York Jets or the Miami Dolphins, regardless of lifestyle, which team is better right now? The Dolphins, no doubt. So I think it's a little unfair to say that he was thinking less about football and more about his lifestyle. I think he was thinking number one about Tyreek Hill. Where could he get the most money? If two teams are offering him the same amount of money, he picked the better team. And yes, in a better, you know, city to have and, fun. Uh, and, and, and don't forget a state without income tax. Yeah. Florida so is probably the best state to have. Hurt. It certainly doesn't yeah. hurt. That's hard to compete with. And people don't talk about that sometimes, but a state with no income tax along against the taxes in New York or New Jersey, wherever he decided to yep. live, that's a big difference. It is. Right. It's funny. I have a buddy that um, plays professional hockey and uh, he's a New York native. And then once he signed his first professional contract, he actually bought a house in Florida and switched his entire address and everything to Tampa so that he would have less income tax. Yeah. So I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure a lot of other players probably do the same. Yeah. So did he have like complete say in where he went? Because it this was a trade, like right? It, it, it seems, okay. it seems like it. I mean, I know that his agent worked a lot of, um, you know, like the magic to, to get him to where he wanted to go. But, um, I, I I think that he kind of had the last say on uh, on where he went. Although there there are conflicting reports because I read one report that said it was an almost done deal. Another said that he was never picking the Jets, and then he threw the Jets the the ultimate shade in his press conference when he when he said who in 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 reference to uh, to the Jets as another team that was in the Damn. mix. Yeah. Um, so, Unneeded, unnecessary shade. I, I agree. So I don't I don't think that the Jets were ever on his radar. It might have been on his agent's radar because the agent's right. job is to get him the best deal possible, the most money possible. You know, yep. that might have been on um, the agent's radar. But I don't think the Jets were ever on Tyreek's radar. I think he's happy that he's in Miami. Um, again, good other pieces in place. Um, but again, a, a, a team that is still going through the whole Brian Flores aftermath. The right. owner was accused of telling the, the team to lose games. So right. they're not exactly, you know, pristine organization right now. And they've been bad for a long, long time. So yeah, well, they lost they games be because they lost games because they were told to while the jets were just losing games. So I think I'd rather right. go to Miami. So, <laughs> I mean, uh, if you if you if you look at their record last year, I'm gonna bring it up right now. What did they win last year? Um, they won nine games. They were nine and eight last year. So they went on a run. The, if you guys yeah, remember, so yeah, they had a rough the start. AFC, right. So if they won nine games last year, and the AFC even getting better, how many are they gonna win next year? I don't know if the Dolphins are gonna win eleven games. I would bet that they wouldn't. They might win less with him. So yeah, like you said, in that division. I mean, they have a the problem now. Is they're not. They're 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 in the middle of a rebuild, and they just gave away what they were going to use to re. Like you got one guy for, 
you know, a first and second round pick. I think just giving those two away and spending $120 million on a receiver that kind of hurts you for the next three, five years. But also with that though, I mean, so their defense, um, I think kind of underperformed at least in the beginning of last year, but they still have, um, really good corners and Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, um, Jerome Baker at linebackers, um, pretty good Emmanuel Ogba. They have, they have some good pieces on defense where I don't think it'd be crazy, you know, as long, depending on obviously to his play, but like, I don't think we'd be shocked if they made the playoffs. Again, we talk about the, the loaded AFC, but you know, this defense was really good two years ago. Um, they have a lot of the same pieces on there. Like I said, two, really good cornerbacks um, and some good linebackers and, and defensive line. Like, I don't think it would be crazy to see them. You know, they added Chase Edmonds, which who knows about him or he Mostert. He's hurt a lot of the time. Still have miles Gaskin. I mean, Mike Gusecki at tight end. Like they, again, I don't know too much about their own line, but I mean, this team, I, I think they're ready to compete. Obviously again, depending on where Tua, you know, see where Tua takes them, but they, they have, they have all the pieces in my opinion. I don't think they're, they're thinking about any sort of rebuild. I think they're ready to compete right now. I think what was upsetting yeah, I, for I'm I'm sorry, man. I was gonna say I think what was upsetting from um the Jets standpoint, not getting him, was that the deal in place didn't include either of the first round picks. Like I don't if if you told me last week the Jets could have a deal in place for Tyree Kill without a first round pick, I'd tell you that yeah, was crazy. Yeah. It was and it was very close to getting done. And I think that's right. what really stings the Jet fans. Not only did they didn't get him, now he's in another team in their own, own division. Their own division. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, I agree. Real I quick, think the, the hardest I want to touch on your guys' points before about um like not really caring and going just for Miami, things like that. Um I do kind of agree with Mike more because he's going to a team that's, you know, in better position to at least make the playoffs, you know, I'm not going to say Miami's going to make a deep run or even get close to the Super Bowl, but I think that was part of it because and then the location was part of it. You know, the Chiefs, he he won a Super Bowl there. He's been in a lot of competitive games, he's been in a lot of big games. So I think he didn't go directly to just a the most money to a team that probably won't compete. He went to a lot of money, great location and a team that, you know, has some good pieces there and maybe isn't at the chiefs level and doesn't have Patrick Mahomes, but he can still play competitively and, you know, be competitive in a, again, a loaded AFC where, where we don't really know what's going to happen. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, my point that I was going to make is, is like Max, you said that they're ready to compete and I agree with that. You know, they have a pretty good team. They have a pretty good squad. I think, you know, question marks with, you know, the coaching changes and stuff like that. And we'll see what happens, but yeah, you still got those twice and you got to play the Patriots twice. And, um, that is a tough division. So we'll see what and happens. We also there, didn't but... mention I, I should have mentioned this, but they signed they just signed Teron Armstead not that long ago, left tackle from the Saints, um, which could be mm-hmm. a, a big signing for them, which again, we don't talk too much about huge, you know, offensive lineman signings, but I think I think that's a pretty big one. So offensive line, again, without knowing too much about their whole their offensive line as a whole, but that's a big signing for them as well. And hopefully we'll yeah, you know, help with two as, you know improvement and, and making him a better player normally year. normally that'd be the blind side but two is a lefty so i think one yeah, thing too very true i think one thing too is that now um even though they didn't make the super bowl last year i think now that hill is off kansas city the conference is open right because kansas city took a step back we know they signed um marquez valdez but 
Um, and Juju. You know, yes, and Juju, but they they're probably a little less potent offensively. I mean, Mahomes will probably prove us wrong and have the best season of his career because he's he's just that special and just that talented. Right. But, um, you know, losing Tyree Kill, that's that's a that's a big, big loss. So um it probably from the other teams on the outside looking in, looking at Kansas City, probably gives them a little more confidence to think and like, hey, maybe we don't need to score 40 points to beat them today. Maybe 28 could do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I, I think I agree with that. You see a guy like Terry Kill leave the team, and obviously your first thought is they just got worse. Um, yeah. But to your point, they do still have Patrick Mahomes. You know, they still have okay, weapons okay. at wide receiver. They have they have great running back. And the biggest thing that they've done in the last couple of years is that offensive line might be a top three offensive line in the league now. I think that the the Raiders, Chargers, and Broncos all were probably jumping for joy this week. I mean, I know he's in the same conference, but they are probably thrilled that they don't have to go up him uh, up against him uh, twice a year. I think there there's more balance in the AFC now because um, the Chiefs you would think got a, a little bit less potent, and you would think that the Dolphins are now on the up and up um, more. I was actually really interested to see Juju with Tyreek Hill um, before I I thought that Tyreek Hill was going to be gone. But I thought Juju in that kind of second, I mean, with Kelsey kind of like a third receiver, I thought Juju had a chance for a big year. And now putting him with Valdez Scantling, you know, it just doesn't sound as, you know, Juju you would think would have to be relied on a lot more. And I'm interested to see, you know, how he does. And obviously, again, with Mahomes, Mahomes is going to make a lot of guys look good. So I think Juju can still have a great year, but I, I was interested to see him, you know, along with Tyree kill and Kelsey instead of now with Kelsey and Valdez Scantling. I think right now from where we stand right now, I think if you said bills, Bengals, chiefs, chargers, I think the chargers are, are going to have a, a really good year. I'm not surprised if any of them represent the AFC right now. I know that's very, very early. Um, I even think the Ravens have a good chance to make a run again. They were so yeah, they're forgotten. I think they're they're forgotten, and I know you know Lamar Jackson might be have been figured out somewhat, but they were so decimated last year. And what did they lose? Their last six games by like twelve points combined, or something like that. Don't sleep yeah. on the Ravens. The Steelers are taking a step back. The Browns with Deshaun Watson. Who knows how that's going to go? That's a complete wild card. They can contend for that division with Cincinnati. Absolutely. I'm not I'm not sleeping on the Ravens. Always good. And Lamar didn't even play, you know. Right, right. He didn't, probably he didn't, three or four of those games, at least a couple yeah, towards and, the end um, he, he missed. And uh what was the backup's name? Jackson. Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley. Oh, Huntley, right? And he, he Yeah, and he oh, played Jackson pretty well. Yeah, my fault. yeah, he played pretty well. He 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 kept them competitive. So I think it's a nice open race in the AFC. Um I don't I don't think going in next year there's one team, I mean I'm sure, you know. I'm not, I'm sure. I know Vegas will have the odds of who's going to be the favorites. Maybe the Bills. Um, I don't think it'll be the Bengals, even though they went to the Super Bowl no. last year. I don't think it'll no. be them. Um, I don't think so Maybe either, the Chiefs. No. But I think I think it's it's nice and wide open, and I think there's a lot of teams in the AFC that have a chance to represent this year. I do. It's not like, you know, kind of our old days when it's, uh, you know, Peyton, Rivers, Roethlisberger, Brady, and then, like, that's it. And you know what? I shouldn't even say Rivers because the Chargers never even got to the Super Bowl with him. So... Kind of just it, had your 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 Brady Roethlisberger um, and um, Peyton and Manning. that was kind of it. Yeah. That was kind of it. Mixing a I mixing a Joe Flacco year in there too. Nobody brought up the Titans, right? Nobody said Titans. No, so disrespected. 
It's hard I to remember like everyone. Colts too, man. Like the Colts like too, Derek, man. Yeah, I like Mike Vrabel. I like Derrick Henry a lot, but we 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 never take the Titans seriously. Sorry, Tennessee yeah, fans. I know. Is that is that Tannehill? Is that why? Yeah. Yes. I think so. I think yes. he holds him back. I don't. I don't think he. I just don't think he's good enough he's to be that guy. Better, he's probably better than a lot of other options out there, but. He's kind of like her cousins, almost. Probably better than what you can get if you moved on, but still nothing. Uh, not worth $200 million. Exactly. That's a good exactly. comparison, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Probably be worse if you didn't have him, but probably yeah. not going to win yeah. a Super Bowl with and, him either unless Derrick Henry runs for like 240 yards a game, which we know he can. Yeah. We know he can. So and I think it's interesting, too, you know, just talking about Tyreek Hill moving and different guys signing certain places. I mean... Jarvis Landry's still on the board. Julio Jones, Odell Beckham Jr. is insane. T.Y. Hilton, Emmanuel Sanders. Like, there's some guys that could make teams a lot better. Um, Absolutely. So, sure. well, let's move on. March Madness is is going strong. There's been some crazy upsets, some great games, um, a lot of things happening that I think we didn't expect to happen. So, Pinto, if you just want to give us a quick tournament recap here, where are we? So, I mean, you have to start with St. Peter's. Um, Unbelievable in the Elite Eight, the furthest um, a seed. Um, I mean, there are 15. Um, the first uh, seed passed in, passed in 11 to ever make the Elite Eight. Uh, it's an incredible story. They played a a wonderful defensive game um, on uh, on Friday against Purdue, a team that. Scored a, a lot of points during the season. A team that a, a lot of people thought could go on a run, and I mean they they are in your face, forty minutes on ball pressure. They don't stop. And um, listening to head coach uh, Shaheen Shaheen Holloway after the game, and he kind of keeps saying like when people kind of asking him questions, you know, with a little bit of a surprised tone, and he keeps saying, you know, if you watched us all year, if you watched us all year. You know that this is what mm-hmm. we do, and look, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't watch St. Peter's play the entire year. I've watched them play their last three games, but the way that they do play, um, when you play defense like that, and and you can, and I kind of find it funny when, um, when the analysts keep talking about like, can they win their next game? Can they be like they beat Kentucky? You beat Kentucky, yeah. you can beat anyone. Right. So, you know, it might not be their night that night and they could lose their next game to whenever they play Duke or UNC and um, especially Duke, who's, you know, we'll get to them in a minute, who's really starting to play well. And if they play Duke, that's a that's a tough matchup for them, it's a tough matchup for anyone. But if, if you beat Kentucky, you beat Purdue, who's maybe a step below Kentucky, you could beat anyone. And they've won three in a row now. They've got an, an entire, um, you know. Almost, if you're basically, if if you're not rooting for, if you're not a fan of your team right now, you're probably behind this team. I am. Um, they're tough. They're fundamental. They were 14 of 15 from the line in the second half. Uh, doesn't seem like they get rattled. And you know, it's it's kind of like, it's almost like if you're gonna beat St. Peter's, you kind of gotta put them away early. They're not a great offensive team. They win with their defense and the scrapping and clawing. The more it stays close, then the pressure just ramps up on the other team. Like, man, we're like, we just can't put these guys away. They just don't go right. away. They keep hanging around, keeping it close. And that's what he said. He goes, blowing teams out. He goes, that's that's not what we do. He goes, we don't mm-hmm. expect to win like that. So it's like it's like not even in 
their DNA like to even expect to be up by a lot of points in the second half. That's just not how they win games. They win close. They just games. expect to compete. Yeah. They expect to compete. They expect to give the other team fits and their defense on Purdue in the second half was absolutely sensational to play that could even, even harder in today's basketball, whether it's college and NBA in a less, you know, they play physical, no doubt, but in a less physical basketball game than it was 15, 20 years ago, how impressive their defense was without fouling, without over fouling and, you know, you know, putting their, putting their players in a, in a, in a ton of foul trouble. It's really, really impressive. Um, and they, and they, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, Max. Go ahead. I've been talking a lot. No, I just you you were talking before about kind of um, you got to put them away early, and and that you know that's might be the way to beat them. But so that's yeah. why I kind of thought I thought Purdue was going to win this game, and I wasn't surprised. I guess obviously now that St. Peter's won, but I think I thought that Purdue would have the mindset like, okay, they're not going to be surprised by this team. Yes, they have a 15 next to their name, but but that doesn't mean anything anymore. Like when they beat Kentucky, I think Murray State was obviously a really good team. They lost two games all year, um, I believe, before before the tournament. But I think it was still like Murray State was like, okay, we should beat them. And I think they maybe went in the game a little too confident. Like with Purdue, I thought Purdue would be like, okay, we got to take these guys seriously. And I really thought Purdue was just, I, I thought they were going to, dominate and i thought they were going to win the game easily um and obviously that didn't happen so now it'll be interesting to see you know <laughs> you know against unc if how that goes and if unc can get up you know early and, and put them away so i i'm very interested to see you know how the start of that game goes because like you said i think i think that will be huge if if unc goes up you know 10 early is that it or can you know saint peter's show a little fight and and right. uh you know, win a game that way where they haven't had to do that so far in this tournament. They've, they've kept games close. They haven't gotten, as far as I know, they haven't gotten down very, very much uh, in any of the, the three games so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I, uh, that I think it's be a really, really fun match. I'm sorry, Mike, go ahead. You're good. So I, I think it's interesting. Um, I saw something that said on December 8th, uh, they lost to the St. Francis who was ranked like 322 in the country. Um, and they fell to two and five on the season. They dropped to like 218th nationally. And, you know, now just look at where they are, look at what they're doing. And I think the biggest thing for a 15 seed to do this, like they're playing UNC tonight, who, who is the pressure on? Like who has all the pressure in the world? It's UNC. The pressure is on them to beat this team at this point. Right? Like, I don't think sure. if I'm, sure. if, if I'm coaching that team, the easiest thing to do is walk in that locker room and say, boys, you know, look at where we are. Look at where we were three months ago. Just have fun. Enjoy yourselves. And all the pressure is on the other team. We go out there. We play our game. We're going to be fine. And to Another me, team, though, in UNC that we didn't expect to be here either. You know, everyone true, the name. True, but it's everyone still UNC. Absolutely. For sure. You're right. You're and right. I, think, I think no matter what, you know, UNC should go into that game thinking that they're going to win. And I think that's that's been the issue with teams is that they're going into these games seeing, oh, St. Peter's, regardless of what they've done the last three games, it's still St. Peter's. We should be able to beat them. And, and they're just punching people in the mouth. And I, like North you said, Pinto, I am. In, yeah, they are an eight and a half point favorite today. North Carolina. Eight and a half. Eight and a half. So, so Pinto, if you were a betting man, um, you're definitely going St. Peter's there. It's a cover. Absolutely. Or, a cover, okay. absolutely, absolutely, no doubt. Now, Max, um, before we came on, you, you had a 
a nice comparison that you wanted to talk about with um, St. Peter's this year. Why don't you go ahead? You want to remind me of that? No, I'm comparing to uh, comparing to. Oh yes, yes, yes. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. So really, I guess my big question was: Is there anyone that would think that UMBC sixteen over one is, is that more impressive than what St. Peter's has done? Um, and I'll tell you real quick. I think if St. Peter's lost to Purdue, I think I would go with UMBC because of the the one. They're the only team that's done it. Um, you beat for St. Peter's. You beat Kentucky. Obviously, crazy upset. It's one game. You beat Murray State. Like I said, they lost two games all year. That's still pretty crazy. But I think if they didn't beat Purdue, I would go with the UMBC just because. Again, I think it's like one over sixteen seeds coming into the tournament. I think it was one for one. Yeah, I'm looking here. One for one forty four. Um, so. I mean, to me, it would be, but I don't think it's a conversation now that that they did beat Purdue and and they're the first 15 seed to make an elite eight. So I don't know what you know if you guys feel differently. I'd like to hear hear your thoughts go, on that. Yeah, I'll play. Uh, I'll play along here. I'll say even before the Purdue game happened, so Friday night at six o'clock before they even tipped off, I'm gonna give the nod to St. Peter's. And if I'm offending any uh, Virginia Cavalier fans here listening, I apologize. <laughs> Although they were a one seed, I never thought that Virginia team was that great. I thought this Kentucky team that St. Peter's beat was better than the Virginia team that lost. I think the Kentucky team that St. Peter's beat was better than the Virginia team that won the next year. I, you know, they were good. They were very, very good. I never thought they were an all time, either of those teams. You know, obviously you can't call them an all time team. They lost in in the first round to a 16 seed. But right. those Virginia teams, very good teams, well-coached, disciplined teams. I never thought they were world beaters. I never thought that they are going to go down as an, an, an all-time college basketball team that people talk about for years. I thought this Kentucky team had it. I mean, I picked them in I don't know, a couple of brackets, but I picked <laughs> them to win the finals in the, in the bracket that matters to me most. And St. Peter's beat them. So I'm, I'm yeah. giving the nod. Not just recency bias, um, not that I, of course, expected UMBC to win either, but in right. watching Virginia those years, I never, they never really wowed me as some spectacular team. So here's my thought. Um, in terms of a tournament performance, a tournament run, like a whole performance, I think St. Peter's is my answer. Um, but in terms of like one individual game, like if you're, if you're saying St. Peter's over Kentucky versus... UMBC over Virginia. I think that went over Virginia. They, they beat them by 20, didn't they? It was like 75 to 55 or something like yeah, that. It wasn't super, that one, yeah. super close. It wasn't close. It was, it was not close. I'm, lo- I'm going to look it up. Yeah. What did I say? 75 to 55? 74 to 54. Yeah. They beat yeah, them by yeah, 20. Yeah. Like if you're looking at individual performance to start off a tournament, I think the UMBC game is more impressive. But in terms of like a complete team run, obviously St. Peter's like, I'm more impressed by that than that one game for sure and i will say real quick um nba uh i wouldn't say star nba player deandre hunter who's a pretty good nba player um actually missed that game for virginia and a lot of people talked about it as it not being a big deal now for the umbc game but it would be if he misses more games and i'm not going to say you know i don't want to say if he played they would have won but like I I did think that was interesting because I think people thought like his absence wouldn't matter. You know, it's a 16 over one, you know, one versus 16. Um, But, but that 
something worth mentioning that that I you know about that. Why did missed he that. Play? What was the reason? I, th- I thought it was an injury. Was it not? It was an injury. I, you know, I don't. I don't left. Oh, so it looks like, from what I'm seeing, it looks like they're saying it was actually a season ender. So he would have been out for the whole tournament. It looks like um, with a left wrist fracture. That's okay. So mm. it was an injury. So if this is right, yeah. So just something to know. Obviously, wouldn't take anything away. You know, again, they they beat Virginia pretty handily. So um, just something to note. Yep. Yeah. So last week, boys, I, I had said that I thought Michigan was going to beat Villanova. Obviously, I was wrong. Um, I was taking that at value on FanDuel, and and it didn't pay off for me. Um, I got my Houston pick. Yeah. Over yeah, Arizona. So, uh, Pinto, you made a comment. Um, I don't know if you remember, just the cool, calm collectiveness of Villanova. And it starts Jay with, Wright, yeah. you know, coaching. Yeah, with Jay Wright. It starts with coaching and the whole team, just that culture. They just have a winning culture. Um, and I thought they looked really impressive um, the last couple games. And, you know, I don't know if you – did you guys watch the game? I don't know Pinto probably did, Max. I, 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 I watched uh, all the second half. I, I picked it up about eight minutes into the first half. and uh, Yeah, I watched some it. of the second half, more more yeah. towards the end. Yeah. Right. So so what I wanted to bring up is did, did you guys game. see Justin Moore's injury? Oh yeah, that that wasn't pretty. To me, that's a big factor, and that that could be an Achilles. That could be, you know, obviously, I don't. I, if it's an Achilles, he's done. So I think that could play a huge factor in in you know moving forward. But I just, I'm yeah, really nothing, really impressed yeah. up until this point with yeah just no no reports yet. Yeah yeah, just set for the MRI. But that team is yeah. just, they're just good. They I think they're battle. I think too. I didn't yeah. realize, I think I, I don't know if I just didn't watch them a ton this year, but I think I like didn't give Colin Gillespie enough credit going into the tournament. Like I didn't, I picked them, you know, I do a couple brackets. I picked them in some to lose to Loyola, Ohio state and like another one. Like I didn't have really them going to the final four and basically any of any of the few I did. And I think part of it was like, I don't know if they have that star guy. And I think I'm not saying Gillespie's like a, um, I don't know, one of those other top players that we talk about going into the tournament, but he's a lot better. And I think just the way he runs that, you know, Jay Wright offense and just again, calm collected, like that's the kind of guy you want in, you know, in March and going into the final four and, uh, you know, possibly a national championship game. Um, and so I don't think I gave him enough credit and, and that's, you know, he's been a big part of that that team in this run right now. So I think it's shown this tournament, especially like you don't need necessarily a star to go out there and, you know, score 25 points a game. I think you just need your best player to be consistent as long as they are consistent and they can kind of just write the ship and lead you. um, I think that's the most important thing because as we've seen, um, and I think we'll bring it up later, Pinto in in our loss step segment is that, Mm -hmm. you know, guys that are these stars, they have a bad game, like a, they're either really good or really bad, and that that hurts the team. But if you have one guy that can just be consistent the entire time and just lead you, that's that's how you win games in the tournament. And it was a it was a really ugly game yesterday, Villanova and Houston. For anyone who didn't watch, Villanova pulling it out fifty to forty four. And as you guys mentioned, um, the loss of you know if more cannot go next week, we don't want to pretend to be medical professionals without the MRI. But if he can't go next good. week. Yeah, so if we're all feeling like he's not going to, they played six guys yesterday. Daniels was the only one off the bench who played. 
um, Archidiakono, the younger brother of the other Archidiakono who played on Villanova, who's now the 15th man uh, on the Knicks. Uh, he got in for he got in for two minutes. So they're thin. Um, they, they he played six guys yesterday, and now if one of his starters are out, uh, they could be in 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 some trouble. Um, Gillespie did not have a great game yesterday. Just one of six from the field, uh, one basket. But they did just enough, and that is credit to some of uh, of the Houston defense because they were a, a very strong yeah. defensive team throughout the yep. year, and Villanova's you know. A good offensive team, not a, not an offensive powerhouse, but what helps Villanova, and even if when their shots weren't falling like they were yesterday, number one in the country on the free throw line, and that's what won them the mm-hmm. game. Number one. So it's hard to it's hard to lose close games when you're the number one free throw shooting team in the country. Almost like a St. Peter's, you kind of have to build up a lead, like a ten point, fifteen point lead in the second half, so that. If the shots aren't falling, that's how you win. But if you keep a game mm-hmm. under 10, 6, 7, 8 points, and then you get to the line late, it's advantage St. Peter's. It's advantage it's advantage Villanova, too. Watching the end of the Villanova-Houston game, whenever Villanova got a rebound, it seemed like three Houston players like were swiping, like oh, yeah. almost like, Falling, scrapping. like they, they, were letting it, they were letting them play, and I was like, it was an ugly game. Okay, the first. Game. Did the, you guys watch the, first, the Gonzaga game? I feel like it was like that too. I just thought the their loss to Arkansas. I, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They pushed them around a little bit. I just thought Arkansas, Arkansas was, was kind of like that. Yeah. yeah, they were flat out better. Yeah. Although they ended yesterday. Duke, you know, we, we well, have to yeah. get to Duke playing well, playing well at the right time. <sighs> we have. Do we have game, to? <laughs> I know yesterday's game really wasn't in doubt. Up twelve at the half, win by nine. Probably their best complete game that they've played so far. They're playing. They're playing well. Um, and, you know, I thought about this yesterday. The NCAA really right now with Duke winning, they're very happy because no matter what, who their next opponent is, if it's St. Peter's, the magical run continues. If it's UNC, it's Duke UNC. So the NCAA. The first time ever. How is that possible? Yeah. yeah. So as much, you know, it's it's kind of hard to, to, to pick like – as an outsider with no affiliation towards either team, what I would rather want. I mean, Duke so, would be so cool. And I also want St. Peter's to beat North Carolina. So it's, yeah. it's kind of hard. I wanted, both, both I actually wanted to, both options are great. I wanted to bring that up because like, I thought this was gonna be a little controversial, but I'm, I'm actually rooting for UNC today because I want to see, you know, mm. coach K's last season and UNC Duke would play, for the first time ever in the NCAA tournament. Like I understand the St. Great. Peter's story is awesome. Would, and I wouldn't be mad if St. Peter's won, but like I'm I'm rooting pretty heavily for UNC. I feel the same, way the, I feel the same yeah. way the other way. I, I would agree. And, and I was thinking about just this morning. Lost to UNC in their, you know, Coach K's final home game. Like it's just there's so much it's exactly it. There's so much yeah. that's so, going into that. Yeah. I was thinking about that today. I was thinking about that today. That game, in my mind, UNC up until that point wasn't a great team, you know, and going into that game the, I think them beating Duke was the best thing that happened to both teams for this tournament because it gave them some confidence heading in, you know, it gave them belief in themselves and, you know, they're playing great right now. And then for Duke, I think it was kind of a wake up call. Like if we don't, if we don't get this right, if we don't write this ship, you know, we're going to end the season for arguably the best college basketball coach ever and, and it's going to end early for him so 
Yeah, both teams making a run. Both teams look good. They're full of confidence. I think they're playing the right way. Um, and I actually read an article uh, about Coach K. He came out and talked about how after that loss to UNC, he, he said he kind of like looked inside of himself and, and was like, I'm doing this wrong. And he, he said he saw that his team was hurting and he saw all this stuff and he kind of changed the way he was approaching his coaching methods, which I think for a guy after, you know, 97 seasons of coaching the same way, to kind of go about it differently. That's and, and, and it's showing in the team. I think they believe in themselves and I think that they're, you know, they're having fun and they look good. So it's annoying. Maybe that shows why he's such a good coach too. He can change, on, you know, in his last, here, <laughs> last right? season, we came on here two and a half weeks ago saying how, or three weeks ago, whatever it was saying, how unimpressed we were when Duke played against Virginia tech. And a lot of people yeah. thought Virginia tech could go on a run. And now, and now here we are. So, yeah. Yep. It's a good it's matchup crazy. for the NCAA, no matter what happens in this game. You know, they're not going to say they're, that they're playing favorites, but they're happy that Arkansas lost. So, boys, just in the just in the spirit of uh, gambling here, um, and obviously because the games <laughs> are going to be happening. Uh, well, I mean, we're recording this before the two games are happening today, so um, I'm going to need predictions. Mm-hmm. What do we so think? Do you want like a spread? Because I know I know Pinto mentioned eight and a half for. Uh, well, um, here we go. So I'll, I'll pull it up for you guys. Hold on. I don't have them up in front of me, if you don't mind. I got you. Yeah. So I will say while you're doing that, um, if it is eight and a half for UNC minus eight and a half, um, mm-hmm. I'm kind of with Pinto. It'd be hard for me to, to take UNC in that spot. If I were to like bet on that game, if I was forced to, I think I would have to take yep. St. Peter's just cause I think, you know, they've, they've obviously won their first three games of this tournament. And I think that I don't think they're going to get blown out. Um, mm-hmm. it just seems like at this point they have played so well. Yeah, they could have an off day today, but it just seems like eight and a half is kind of a lot. Um, I, I would take yeah. St. Peter's in that situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the the later game, uh, the 5.05 p.m. game is St. Peter's UNC. Uh, the spread is UNC minus eight and a half. Money line, uh, UNC is minus 400 St. Peter's, St. <laughs> Peter's plus 310. Um, wow. And the over-under is 137 and a half. So you're, you're taking St. Peter's to cover. Yes. Max, that's what I hear. And Pinto yeah. the same. I think yeah. I would agree with that. Um, I might I might sprinkle the St. Peter's money line just for. Uh, Seems like a lot of people one. might. Yeah. Yeah. And then what's uh, the we other? Have... So Kansas, Miami. Kansas, yeah, Miami. Just, yep. So Kansas no is a five like, and a half. Like, sorry, Kansas, Miami. We're not talking about you. Yeah. We I didn't even know. Sorry. Apparently, that game's at two forty-five yeah, p.m. I'm not gonna that, watch yeah. it. Sorry. I watch. I watch the last seven eight minutes if it's sorry close. To, uh, sorry to that game. We apologize. I didn't even know Miami was in the tournament. Uh, yeah, I'm just kidding. Uh, so the Kansas district. is a five and a half point favorite, um, minus two fifty five money line, and then the over under is one forty seven and a half. Covers, I think Kansas wins. Yeah, which yeah. is just boring. It's boring. I don't like. I don't like agreeing with him, but I would probably say <laughs> <Yeah>. the same. <laughs> which means that the opposite's going to happen. Yeah. So Miami, Miami will cover. You know, Miami will just win outright. I guess. Yep. This is the first time they're ever in the Elite Eight. Can you believe that? First time I can, I can believe that. Interesting. First time. And they Jim Laranega, the George Mason coach that you know, he coached George Mason on that magical run where I feel like right. Cinderella really like, at least in our time, you know, in our lifetime that George Mason was the first like Cinderella I remember at least, and Jim Laranega was the coach, and now he's coaching Miami and has a chance at a Final Four, so that'd be pretty cool. They lost yeah. in the Sweet 16 in 16, 13, and 2000. Those were their three. Did they lose two in 2016. 
16 they lost to Villanova on their way mm. to the their first of uh, championship their first champ of this of the uh, of the millennium yeah, yeah. so so we got we got Bill Self has a chance to take on Jay Wright in the final four that'd be good and then possibly a Duke UNC final like if it was that old, I think old coach versus new coach man why couldn't Roy Williams retire this year I know I know they, I thought about that too you think they would have made it yeah you think they would the same thing would be happening? I couldn't tell you that. That's a hard question. I guess, yeah, you can't tell, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it was time for change. Any final thoughts on uh, March Madness, the tournament, predictions? I, I hope we get, uh, a, again, no disrespect to Kansas and Miami. I'm just glued to that St. Peter's UNC game. I hope it's close. I hope it's physical. I, I, I hope it's ugly. And um, I, I'm pulling for St. Peter's to win. I think it's an unbelievable story. Being down here um, in the tri-state area, too, uh, it seems like no matter where you go, no matter what newspaper you look at, whatever radio yeah, yep. show that you listen to, everyone's talking about them. It's fun. And Shaheen uh, uh, Holloway's been great. Um, I, I think he's absolutely unbelievable. And it's a very, very small school, uh, St. Peter's, yeah. for anyone who doesn't know. It's, it's a tiny school, like just about 2,000 kids. So you literally have an entire school. You know, <laughs> if you're at Penn State, even though Penn State's not a good basketball team, but you know what I mean. Not not everyone at Penn State is going to watch football. You'll find some that don't. Mm-hmm. My wife went to Penn State. She didn't watch much football. So that surprises so, me, knowing her. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> she's asleep on know. the couch right now. <laughs> uh, so, but everyone at at St. Peter's is, you know, they packed like the entire student body in the gym. Like the gym, that, two thousand yeah. people. There's like two thousand people at the school, <laughs> so the, the whole team is watching. It's a great story. We all know it. So, so the bottom bottom line really is St. Peter's. If anyone from St. Peter's is listening, uh, Tom Pinto would love to apply for your new public relations job because he loves your school. <laughs> and uh, shout out to our good friend Brett Simpson. However, we would like to see a Tar Heels loss today. Also, Sorry. how did we how did we not know how how did we know that um or how did we not figure that they were going to win Friday? Friday was National Peacock Day. How could I they saw have that lost? after the fact. How yeah. could they have lost? Yeah. Impossible. Impossible. I'm a peacock, you gotta let me fly. I don't All think right. it's. Anyways. I don't think. Uh, sorry, I don't think it's National Tar Heel Day today. So. <laughs> Big St. Peter's guy. Like, Look at him. Look, he is. I wish you guys could see him right now. He is. He is buzzing. You are so excited. Continue, please. I am too. Continue. Well. Actually, Pinto, it's 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 coming back to you. Stories that you may have missed. That's right. So we enjoy this segment every week. Um, I think it's really cool. Pinto's been finding a couple of good ones. I know Max had a really good one last week, but uh, what do you got for us today, Tom? Yeah, so we've got uh, we got two today. So we did a little football, did a little basketball. Uh, now we're gonna go to baseball. Um, got so um, Clint Frazier, who you guys remember from his tenure. Uh, with the Yankees, an up-and-coming outfielder who had some great moments, had a lot of bad moments, and is now gone from the Yankees and with the Chicago Cubs. Um, he talked about this week how he had a concussion in 2018 that uh, impacted his career, that one that we knew. But then there was another one in 2020 uh, during the COVID season that he kept to himself. And, um, he said, I obviously keep certain things to myself in 2020. They weren't really made aware until I pulled myself from that game in 2021. Uh, he said it didn't really give me the chance to continue to build off things that I had previously started to accomplish. I had a pretty bad concussion that definitely didn't just affect my baseball life, but affected my personal life. Mm-hmm. So 
it's kind of a tough situation that he was in because he wanted to keep playing, but the concussion was obviously a factor in the demise of his tenure with the Yankees. So my question to you guys is, do you think that more athletes do this when they keep something like this under the wraps? You think it happens more often? Absolutely. I think, I think it happens. I think it happens all the time. I think, I think the majority of athletes and it's not just concussions, but injuries in general, I think athletes, you know, especially, especially younger athletes who are trying to make it or trying to get signed or, you know, you're in the NFL and you're trying to sign a second contract, which is like the biggest deal. Um, right. I think athletes do this consistently because especially in professional sports, um, you know, the pressure to succeed and be available, you know, they say the best ability is availability. And if you're not available, someone else is going to step up and take your spot. So, um, unfortunately it is something that happens too much, uh, concussions, you know, like he was talking about it, they don't just affect your ability to be a good athlete, but you know, there's, there's other effects like you can't sleep, you know, constant headaches, migraines, it could cause depression, stuff like that. So, um, I think it happens way more often than it should. Um, you know, I see it happen. I'm a high school soccer coach. Um, I see kids high in injuries all the time, whether it's concussions or ankle injuries, hip flexors, stuff like that. And for kids that are, you know, 15, 16, 17 years old to feel that pressure, I can't imagine, you know, an athlete in their twenties being a professional feeling that pressure and doing it. But yes, yeah. I think, I think it happens a lot. And again, you know, just piggybacking on what Mike saying, and then I'll let you go, Max. Um, you know, not that I, I want to pick and choose one injury worse than another, but I kind of feel like, you know, if a, if a player is trying to tough it out with an ankle injury, yeah, maybe he could end up hurting him or herself even more and putting themselves in time to miss some more time. But I mean, any head injury, that's just, that's just, oh, I agree. Stuff. And, then, and then you've, and then you've got the lingering conditions can affect your, yep. you know, you know, your everyday life. So not mm -hmm. to say that an ankle injury can't be serious and not, you know, jeopardize your playing career. I'm right. not what I'm saying, but we, we all know we've been around sports a long time that head yeah. injuries are, you know, the, the worst of the worst, what you want to try to avoid. And Max, I'm, uh, we'll let you chime in now. Um, definitely something that can be scary for, for a player like Clint Frazier, just trying to stay on in the MLB, just trying to make the cover. Just trying off. to, just trying to live a normal life, man. And then, yeah. you know, ha find happiness and, and yeah. yeah. I would think it would happen. It'd be easier to like hide in baseball. Right. Um, I feel like with football, with all the hits, it's like, especially now what they're doing in football, it seems like whenever you see anything close to like a bad hit or a guy gets up a little slow, the refs do, a, it seems like a decent job of like having them get checked out at least for play. We know we've seen times where like, how did that guy go back into the game that quickly? Things like that. But with baseball, it's like, maybe they're not even like really like it doesn't seem that bad and players just end up playing through it. Um, and no one's really asking them as much. Um, I don't know if that's actually the case, but I think in the past with like football, especially I, I think a lot of like NFL players did this. Um, you hear like analysts talk about it a lot um, when they're, whether covering games or, you know, like an NFL live situation or something like that. But um, I was listening to uh, ESPNU the other day um, radio on XM with Danny Cannell. And he said like, Oh yeah, we, we would do that all the time. Like, we didn't want to come out of a game. Um, and I think yeah. now, like I said, with the NFL, they they do, I think, a, at least a little bit better of a job with it. I'm sure there's still guys that are playing a lot with concussions. But yeah, I think I think this is still definitely a, a big issue, you know, specifically with concussions. Yeah, I mean, we see everything that's happening now, you know, 
20 years down the line with these players that have retired that, you know, CTE and how it affects your brain. Uh, it, it's one thing Pinto and you talked about, and like, I wasn't trying to downplay concussions by any means. I was just no, trying no, to compare no, no, that, no, no, that no, pressure I didn't, and, I didn't, I didn't um, take it like that. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing for him, for Frazier to already talk about, you know, how it affected his life, you know, within a year of it happening. And then there's these guys that come out, you know, 20 years down the line and, you know, these guys are committing suicide or they're, they're mentally unstable and it's not their fault because they're, you know, I think 20 years ago, there was, people weren't really looking for them and people, athletes specifically tried to act tougher and all that stuff. But I think now, now that players are being educated at a younger age about, you know, the seriousness and the effects of concussions. I think that's really important. And some people will say with the NFL now, Oh, it's not the game anymore, blah, blah, blah. And he hits like illegal. I think it's really important that they're taking those strides because it's, you know, there's going to be in, in 10 years, there's going to be a lot of people who say, Oh, I don't want my kids playing football because of all these injuries where they're trying to make the game For safer. Sure. And I think that's really important. So, um, I think it was Bart Scott who, who was quoted once saying, um, I play football. So my son doesn't have to, Definitely a lot of athletes or people in general that feel uh, that same way, for sure. Yeah. You got another one for us? Yeah. This is just a really, really uh, great story. Um, a Ukrainian woman named Valentina Verteska won a Jerusalem marathon after leaving the Ukraine, fled the country with her 11-year-old daughter, and they fleed left her husband behind, and then won a Jerusalem marathon. How incredible is that? Yeah, that's it's <laughs> that's ridiculous. With, that's crazy. With everything that yeah. could be going on in your mind. And she was, it, it's, right. it's not that she was, um, you know, kind of a top in the world, definitely skilled, 444th among female marathon runners. And then just won a marathon after fleeing her, her home country. That I mean, talk about, Talk about mental fortitude. Yeah, resilience and and resilience. I think yes. uh, resilience. It is it is a crazy thing. I can't. You know, we are in many ways. I don't know if blessed is the right word or fortunate, whatever you want to call it. But for us to be living where we do and not really have to deal with certain things because we are privileged in that way to be in the United States, I cannot imagine. You know, if bombs started falling on my city. Um, just going to work every day, let alone being a professional athlete and, you know, carrying the weight of a nation on your shoulders when there's no other hope. Like there's soccer players that have come out and talked about it. There's boxers and all these Ukrainian athletes. And for her to go and do something like that when, yeah, like you said, there's just so much weighing down on her. It's Yeah, they have uh, her time here at two hours, 45 minutes and 54 seconds. Um so just uh, an, an unbelievable athletic and um, resilient story. And uh, congratulations to Valentina Varetska and uh, obviously all the best, hoping that she can be united with her husband soon because um, that would yeah. even make the story even better. So some good stuff there. And uh, now we're on to our uh, Lost the Step of the Week. Uh, last week was a team in Loyola, Chicago. This week, uh, it's a player, and uh, Jaden Ivey uh, of Purdue certainly lost a step um, this week in their game uh, against St. Peter's, averaging better than 17 a game, uh, so impressive in the Big Ten tournament, uh, better than 46% from the field over the uh, for the regular season, 35% from three, only nine points on Friday, four of 12 from the field, one of six from three. We talked about how St. Peter's defense was so good without 
fouling too much. He didn't attempt a free throw for the first time since November 30th. Crazy. Yeah, I... That is insane. I saw, too, he had six turnovers. That was his most of the year. Um, I think he had a couple games with five, but six was his most. And then I was looking at some of, just kind of going back and looking at some of their losses. They obviously didn't have a ton um, in Purdue, but he had, like, decent games when they lost um, in the past. And, And this one... Um, he really struggled. I guess against Iowa in the um, Big Ten championship, they he put up uh, not in the championship, but in the conference tournament, he put up. He was one for eight from three, so I guess he had a rough game there. But right. um, that this was definitely his worst game of the year, and obviously it came at a at a bad well, time. So goes to St. Peter's for for doing a great job with uh, you know against him. Yep. So Jaden Ivy is our lost step athlete of the week. Tough. It's always tough to be featured on that. Nobody wants to be featured on. <laughs> not I'm sure he's going to be very upset when he when he yeah. hears about this. <laughs> when he listens, not a, place, <laughs> yeah. not a place you want to be. Maybe he should have taken a. He should have attempted a field goal in the last four minutes of the game and knocked one down if he didn't want to be featured. Right. So. Yep. Well, before we wrap up here, something that I think we we all enjoy every week. Mark, step up, big fella. I'll let you Google it again. Google Coach K. Pull up the name. This is the only. This is the only reason why we do this show. This yeah, this is. I just look forward yeah. to this so much. Yeah, the other fifty-nine minutes don't mean anything. So last week he got him confused with the Russian composer Tchaikovsky. <laughs> <laughs> that was You're my favorite one so far. All right, give it a go, big fella. I'm gonna go, <laughs> Coach Mike Zuski. I'm. I'm just gonna <laughs> not acknowledge the first part. He's just Zuski. Mike Zooks. They call him Mike Mikey Zooks. <laughs> Yeah, that's you what they call him. You can't not acknowledge. <laughs> you can't. You can't disregard the first half of his name and just say the second half. The... <laughs> Mike Mike Krizuks. Not a bad nickname. Mike, can you spell it for me really quick, Mark? You know, spell it. Mike Krizuks. Spell the first like M I K E. Nice. He got it. He got, got it. it. <sighs> He's gonna get it one of these days. He's gonna pull up a game today and maybe listen to him say it. I'll, I'm gonna be the not quite as funny as last week. I'm going to be the St. Peter's and uh, just, you know, bring it home next wow. week. Wow. Yeah. Guaranteed. Oh. Yeah. Guaranteed. Wow. wow. Guaranteed. You heard <laughs> Tune it. Tune in, first. people. Yeah. The All right. Least, well, great content for y'all. Indeed. Well, uh, once again, we appreciate everybody listening. Unfortunately, we're going to have to cut this show short. Pinto's got a wedding to get to. Max has a kid. And uh, Mark is going to try to figure out how to say Coach K's name. So uh, gotta, we appreciate Oscars, it. Dude, today's a big night for Mark. Oh yeah, yeah, Mark. What are you wearing tonight? Uh, I'm gonna run a tux. Um, Sorry, who are you wearing tonight? Would be the better question. Oh, I'm wearing a nice. I'm wearing a, an old navy sweatshirt with sweatpants <laughs> and uh, some some uh, nice slippers. I love that look on you. Yeah, classic work from home vibes. We love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Our well, on the we show appreciate is the only one of us that has any style. Well, that's just a crazy thing to say. You look great. Say, Mike, don't hate on Marcone. He's got a little bit, but yeah, Pinto and I, we no, no, we can't say anything. We can't make fun of you at all, Mark. We're not there. Well, once again, we appreciate everybody listening to the Lost Step podcast. Mike Marcone, Tom Pinto, Max Khan, Mark DeStefano, signing off. Peace.